So we are going to slow down and take one week at a time going through these. The, very, the first four of the Beatitudes focus on our relationship with God. The last four Beatitudes focus on our relationship with others. So this morning, we're going to park the bus on verse 3. We're going to read um, verses 1 through 12, but we're going to park the bus on verse 3. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to be blessed by God? What does it mean to inherit the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? But before we do that, I invite you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the ability to gather together in your name. And even if we can't be together in person, we thank you for the ability to gather together online. Father, we pray this morning, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any wickedness or offensive thing in me and lead me in your everlasting way. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. There are many. Thank you, God, that your mercy is more. Father, we pray for all here today that are struggling with something. We all struggle with something. Father, you pray that you would meet us at our deepest point of need, that you would meet us in the midst of our struggle that your very presence would be tangibly felt among us. Father, as we open your word, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us into your truth, give us an understanding of your truth, and help us, Lord, to apply it to our day-to-day lives. Father, we pray for our communities. We pray for our nation, Lord, that you, God, would draw many, many people to you and use your church to be a true lighthouse to the nations. Father, may it start right here and right here with me. Lord, we thank you again for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your provision. We give you alone all praise, honor, and glory. In the mighty name of King Jesus, we pray. Amen. In order to enter God's kingdom, we need to have a broken, humble heart, desperately seeking him. We are lost in our sins, begging for God's mercy. But in Christ alone, we find that mercy. And God gives us his favor. He blesses us. He gives of himself, and he also gives us, as said here in verse 3, the kingdom of heaven. So I'm going to invite you to do something we haven't done in a while. I would invite you to please stand if you're able, and we're going to read these words together from Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God. You may be seated. The first question we need to ask when we come to this passage, verse 3, is to ask, what does the word blessing mean? We're blessed. What does that mean? We all want to be blessed by God, right? And as we see this term used throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, the word blessed, especially here, means that we receive God's favor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. God's favor is upon the poor in spirit. Ephesians 1.3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Christ, we have every blessing of God available to us. We have favor with God. Psalm 144, verse 15 says, blessed is the people whose God is the Lord. Some translations might even use the term happy. I, don't per- I personally don't think that adequately describes what's going on here. Because um, blessed does, it's, happiness is a feeling. It's an emotion. But here, blessing is an objective statement about what God thinks of you and me. It's receiving God's approval. When King David confessed his sin to God in Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, that is atoned for by God. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Sin is like a prison that keeps us chained. When we are broken because of sin, when we confess our sin, we agree with God, it's wrong, you're you're right, I'm wrong. We turn, we repent from sin with a sincere heart. It is then we find forgiveness and we find true freedom. It is then we are the poor in spirit. We receive God's blessing, his favor upon us. Here is my prayer Lord, I want your approval. Open my heart to these beatitudes. Shine and cleanse me and heal me to the depths of my very life. Build your kingdom character in me so that you will put your favor upon me. That's what it means to be blessed, to find God's favor upon you. Second question we need to ask, again, looking at verse 3, what exactly does it mean to be poor in spirit? And we're going to spend the bulk of our time here this morning. Why is it that in Jesus' first recorded sermon, he starts with this blessing for the poor in spirit? Why doesn't he say, blessed are the pure in heart? You ever wonder that? Well, Jesus is teaching us right from the start, right from the get-go, how people enter the kingdom of heaven. You can either be completely perfect and holy as our Father in heaven is perfect, 
1 Peter 1.16, Matthew 5.48. How's that working for any of us? It doesn't, right? None of us can be perfect and holy on our own. Or, as Jesus begins this, we can be poor in spirit. To be poor is to lack resources. To be poor in spirit is to know you lack resources and you find yourself in a state of desperation. You need help. Poor in spirit does not mean that you have no value. Poor in spirit means that you are highly valued by God. He sent his son for you. It does not mean you don't have any value. Poor in spirit does not mean that you are absent of self-worth. You are worthy for Christ to give his life for you. Poor in spirit also does not mean false humility. Have you ever heard someone, you give them a compliment, and they're like, oh, no, I'm just a worm, you know, I'm no good. That's false humility. What really is happening deep down in my heart when I say those things is I really enjoy that you think I'm such a humble person. I'm proud to be humble, right? Kind of like the old country song, oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way, right? I'm sorry, I digress. <laughs> to be poor in spirit is to know I don't possess the resources. I have nothing to get the resources I need. In a spiritual sense, to be poor in spirit is to know we are spiritually bankrupt. Our sins had created a Grand Canyon distance between us and a holy God. Isaiah 59.2 reminds us that our sin has separated us from God. Romans 6.23 reminds us that the wages of sin, what we earned, is death. We all face death. An eternity separated from our loving creator, holy God. We must come to the recognition that we are wretched sinners facing a holy, infinite, loving God. But we are spiritually bankrupt. We need to beg God for mercy, beg God for forgiveness, beg God for, mercy, for, for rescue. Poor in spirit. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5, um, paints a beautiful picture of our desperate state when standing before a holy God. The prophet Isaiah was given a vision of heaven. He saw the Lord God Almighty sitting on his heavenly throne, high and lifted up, in all his holy, piercing glory. Angels surrounded the throne, and they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Isaiah instantly recognizes his dreadful state before this holy, perfect God. When compared to other humans, Isaiah, you know, he's the prophet's prophet. He's, he's, he's awesome. He might be tempted to think, I'm better than those people. Have you been tempted to think that too? At least I'm not like that guy. But when standing before a holy God, Isaiah can only compare himself to a holy God. And he sees how woefully inadequate he is. What a desperate sinner he is. He says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. We might add along with that phrase too, Woe is me, 
I'm not only a man of unclean lips, I'm a man of unclean eyes, a man of unclean heart, a man of unclean hands and feet. And I dwell among a people who are unclean as well. God could have killed him instantly, but God is not only holy and just, God is a God of love and mercy. God had mercy on Isaiah and covered his sins and then sent him out on mission for him. I love it. You know, it says in Isaiah 6, um, who can I send to, to, to go on mission for me? And Isaiah's like, I'll, I'll go, you know. After being made clean, after being made clean, he is now sent out on mission for him. I, Isaiah would later write this about the Son of God, and Christ would, would speak these words, would open up a scroll in the synagogue, and, and would attribute these words to himself. Isaiah 61, verse 1, says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release those from darkness for the prisoners. God cares and brings healing for the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's Psalm 147, verse 3. To be poor in spirit is to know we're sinners. God is holy. We stand completely spiritually bankrupt before him and beg for his mercy and forgiveness. But out of his mercy and grace, he extends forgiveness to all who seek him with a contrite, humble heart. Here's just a few examples from scripture of people demonstrating a poor spirit. Moses, when God asked him to speak before Pharaoh to let his people go, in Exodus chapter 4, he, Moses says, um, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm slow to speak, so send somebody else poor in spirit. Jacob wrestled with God, Genesis chapter 32, and, and God broke his hip and then blessed him, poor in spirit. Judges 6 verse 15, Gideon did not consider himself up to the task that God called him for. God called him a mighty warrior. Gideon at the time was cowering in fear, poor in spirit. David, when King Saul um, gave him his daughter in marriage, uh, 1 Samuel 18, verse 18, David said to Saul, who am I that I should become the king's son-in-law? Poor in spirit. Mary, the mother of Jesus, we just read this during Christmas. Luke chapter 1, verse 28. First, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, greetings, O favored one, O blessed one. Then in Luke 1, 46 to 49, Mary's great song of praise when she was visiting Elizabeth. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, referring to herself. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, favored by God. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name poor in spirit. Peter, Luke chapter 5, after the miraculous catch of fish, he looked straight at Jesus and he said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Poor in spirit. Paul, 1 Timothy 1.15, 
He calls himself the chief of all sinners. Philippians chapter 3, he goes on further and describes his pedigree, all of his human accomplishments, but none of them could earn his way into heaven. He was grateful for a Savior that rescued a wretch like him, poor in spirit. But one of the great stories that Jesus tells, I think, amplifies this even more. Luke chapter 18 Verses 10 through 14, Luke 18, 10 through 14. Jesus tells a story. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, a religious leader, and the other a tax collector. By the way, time out. Tax collectors were probably the most hated people in Israel at the time. They were looked upon as traitors. They sided with the Roman government, whom the, the Jews hated because they were oppressing them. Tax collectors could cheat people out of their money. They could come to you and say, okay, this is what you owe Caesar, but this is what you owe me. And you could set that amount however you wanted. They were hated by the people. Probably the most hated group of people in Israel. The tax collector and the Pharisee. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this guy, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But then Jesus continues, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and simply said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Matthew 5.20 says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of even the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the proud Pharisees, they thought they had it all together. They thought they were the most righteous people on earth. But what they were doing, essentially, is they were coming to God with this. This is all that I've done, God. Whereas the tax collectors were coming to God like this. I have nothing to offer you, God, but my sinful, sorry self. But I'm trusting that you will fill it with forgiveness and mercy and grace. Isaiah 66, verse 2. These are the ones I look on with favor, God says. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Psalm 34, 18. (coughs) The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Are you brokenhearted today? Are you crushed in spirit today? Take comfort in knowing the Lord is close to you. That's what his word says. David's prayer in Psalm 51, verse 17, he says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. (coughs) The humble, broken heart attitude is where it all begins, and that's why Jesus begins right here. As far as entering the kingdom of God, 
receiving his mercy, receiving God's grace, receiving God's forgiveness, receiving a restored eternal relationship with him. The Bible is very clear. We only receive God's mercy and grace through him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It is by God's grace that we have been saved. We've been rescued from our sins. It is a gift of God. It's not by works. No one's going to boast when they get to heaven. How'd you get here? I'll tell you how I got, how I'm going to get there. It's by clinging to Jesus Christ alone and what he has done for me. That's the only way we're going to get to heaven. Poor in spirit. It's not about me. It's all about you, Jesus, and I am forever grateful for you. God's requirement of a repentant, broken heart over sin is why those who are proud have the toughest time accepting Jesus. God pours out his grace on those who know they are spiritually bankrupt, poor in spirit, for only they are open to receiving his grace. I once read that Martin Luther, who was studying to be a Catholic priest at one point, he entered a monastery to try to earn God's favor, to do all these things to try to get a little bit closer to God. After studying God's word, he was pierced to the heart. He was broken in spirit by the truth of the gospel and saw his sin for what it is, his desperate need for God's grace. And only by God's grace did he find God's favor. Poor in spirit. The opposite of poor in spirit is a proud heart. And the Bible has a lot to speak about that. Proverbs 16.5 says, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. We talked about the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. He had a proud heart. He compared himself to others around him and thought himself better than them. The church in Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, had a proud heart. They thought they were all good, self-sufficient, they don't need anything, we're better than everybody else. But Christ reminds them, verse 20, chapter 3, Revelation, I'm standing at the door and knocking, (coughs) waiting to be invited in, and then I'll have a perfect relationship with you. I'm looking for those who are poor in spirit, ready to receive me, is what Jesus is saying. The proud and the self-sufficient come to God with their hands full of how they think they can earn their way into heaven. And unfortunately today, church, I believe too many who call themselves Christians say they have accepted Christ, but they continue to live proud and self-centered as they always have. Their lives don't bear any fruit. Their sins don't lead them to repentance. They remain self-focused, proud of how they are better than others. At least I'm not like that guy. 2 Corinthians 13.5 remind us to examine ourselves to see if we truly are in the faith. This is a good test of our true faith. When we sin, and the Holy Spirit makes us aware of that sin, Do we sense the Holy Spirit's conviction in our heart? Does our sin grieve us like it grieves the Holy Spirit? And does our sin lead us to repent and receive and experience God's mercy and grace 
and experience his freedom. Pride can only live and grow in a heart that is far from God. But the poor in spirit, they live near to the heart of God. And God lives near to them. Someone once said that generations from now, a sculptor, a perceptive artist, will create a sculpture representing 21st century man. This sculpture will depict a man, have his arms wrapped around himself in loving embrace, kissing an image of himself in a mirror. How true. But in contrast, Jesus says, blessed, approved by God, are the poor in spirit. The humble beggars, sorrowfully repenting of sin, knowing they are in desperate need of a Savior, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Church, have you experienced this poverty of spirit? Like that old hymn, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Can we say, one of the stanzas says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. Our only hope is in the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. The humble, poor in spirit, experience God's kingdom right now. This is point two or three on your bulletin, I forget. The kingdom of heaven is where God is. And and where God is, he reigns wherever he is. Heaven is to live with God. Here, what does Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. No. Theirs is currently, right now, the kingdom of heaven of heaven. The poor in spirit get a taste of heaven right now. We don't have to wait for some day to experience the kingdom of heaven. God has come to dwell in the hearts of those who are poor in spirit, those who know we need a Savior, those who cry out and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We find forgiveness. We find mercy. We find his righteous life credited to our account. We find his Holy Spirit put in our lives. God comes to dwell with us right now. His kingdom rule is right now in our hearts. The reward of the kingdom of heaven is both now and future. Ephesians 2.6, we're reminded that we are seated with Christ now in the heavenly realms. We belong to Christ's kingdom now. We are priests of God now. We are overcomers now. We are royalty in God's family now. Our poverty of spirit, our weakness, allows Christ's strength to fill us. I love it when Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, I prayed three times for this thorn in my side to be taken away, a messenger of Satan. We don't know what that is. I think it was a reminder of Paul, who Paul used to be. But Jesus Christ said, no, Paul, I'm not taking that away. Because my grace is all you need. It's sufficient. Jesus says, my power, Paul, is made perfect in your weakness. 
Because when we're weak, we're poor in spirit. I need you, God. Our poverty of spirit sets us free. How ironic. We are free to receive all that God offers us. Pride enslaves us. But God's kingdom is ours and ours alone who are poor in spirit. This is a wonderful blessing for the person here today who feels overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed by temptations right now. This is a wonderful blessing for the person who knows you've messed up or feel overwhelmed by a particular challenge in life right now. This is a reminder that those of you who are poor in spirit, God's favor is resting on you. He's dwelling in your heart. He is with you. He will not forsake you. His kingdom power is available to help deliver you through whatever you are struggling with. He's with you in the midst of the storm. All this should lead all of us to daily want to be poor in spirit in my heart and depend solely on Jesus each and every day. So how do we do this? I'm going to close with this. Those who are poor in spirit recognize our spiritual poverty before God. We have nothing to offer God. We cannot demand God do things our way. God doesn't owe me anything. I cannot write God's job description for him or his resume to do my bidding. He is holy and sovereign and I am not poor in spirit. We must grieve our sin and repent of sin. In doing so, we draw near to God. Lord, help me. We seek his word. We spend time in prayer. We spend time with other people to encourage and help one another and pray for one another. People who are poor in spirit are in a humble position to receive God's mercy every day. People who are poor in spirit notice others in need and, and with compassion help bring God's comfort to them. People who are poor in spirit don't compare ourselves to one another, but we compare ourselves to Jesus. Always aware of our own sinfulness and always grateful for the mercy and grace of our Lord and Savior. Given to us, covering our sins. People who are poor in spirit boast not in ourselves, but in the cross of Jesus Christ, Galatians 6.14. There's a more modern hymn called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We sing it here at Harvest. And the lyrics go like this, I will not boast in anything, no gifts or power or wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. Those who are poor in spirit look to Jesus. His strength to overcome temptation. His strength to help us grow and be more like him through his word his strength to help us fellowship with other believers, his strength to help us reach out and meet the needs of those around us. And blessed are those who mourn over our sin, for they shall be comforted. We're going to talk about that more next week.
One of my favorite pastors is Pastor Colin Smith from Illinois. He said this. He said, here's the difference between a hypocrite and a genuine child of God, between the fake and the true believer. People who are far from God make much of themselves. People who live near to God make much of Jesus Christ. People far from God are always talking about what they're doing for him. People near to God make much of what he's doing for them. The Christian quarterback does not make much of himself. He makes much of Jesus Christ who made him and who redeemed him. The same is true for the high flyer in business, the brilliant musician, the technical guru, the political genius, the mega mother. Any mega mothers out here? If you walk closely with God, you will make much of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ and less of ourselves. So as we wrap it up this morning, have you come to recognize your total dependence on Jesus alone? Are you stuck in your Christian life? Oh, you want to grow, but somehow you've just lost momentum. If we've truly met with God, we recognize we have nothing to offer Jesus except to repent of our sins, ask him for his mercy. We are spiritually bankrupt. But God, who was rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, and loved us so much by his grace, sent his son to rescue and redeemed us. He redeems those who are poor in spirit. His favor is upon them. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where God's kingdom is, is where God is, where his rule is. And he will help us to truly live for him. Will you pray with me as our worship team comes forward? Father in heaven, we thank you for this reminder, Lord, of who we are to be. And we can't be this on our own strength and power. No way. I fail every day. I fail to be poor in spirit. Lord, I pray that you would root out those issues of pride that are hiding deep within the depths of each of our hearts. Lord, show us where we need to confess and reveal that to you, repent of that, and turn to you. Lord, we are completely, 100% dependent on you, Jesus. And I thank you that as a nine-year-old, you came into my life. And Lord, it's been ups and downs, and, and you're at work constantly in my life. And I thank you that you haven't given up. Thank you for not giving up on any of us here today. And Father, we thank you that we don't try to be poor in spirit on our own. We are poor in spirit on your love and grace and your work of your Holy Spirit in each of our lives. And if there's anyone here today, anyone that's been moved by your word and doesn't know, am I in the kingdom? Lord, I pray that you would stir their hearts and help them see and Lord, I, pr- I want to pray this prayer right now with you all. <clears throat> if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I invite you right now. It's the attitude of your heart, not these words necessarily. It's the attitude of your heart. Lord, I recognize I am poor in spirit. Lord, I recognize I am a sinner that has offended you, separated from you. And there's no hope for me. But thank you, God, through you, Jesus, there is hope. 
Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. I repent. I turn from my sins. I turn my life over to you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing healing into my life. Thank you for bringing new life, for making me new. That is what your word says. I invite you to come into my life and change me. Thank you for placing your Holy Spirit in my life. Lord, I want to live for you, and I want to live constantly in a state of poor spirit so that you are always first in my life. Help me to live each day like that. When I fail, help me know I'm not a failure. Pick me up and continue me on on your path. We are so grateful for you, Jesus, so grateful for your mercy and grace. It's in the powerful name of King Jesus we pray. Amen.